You're listening to the Board Game Snobs podcast, a ridiculous podcast with ridiculous hosts that discuss ridiculous things. And any mention of board games is purely coincidental. And so, without further ado, and with a heavy dollop of shame and embarrassment on my part, I give you the Board Game Snobs. podcast that's, I guess, adjacent to board games. We talk about board games. Sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. This episode, we're going to be talking about a particular designer of board games, but with me, me being Jerry, is Gabby. Hello! And his dear friend. I'm not going to lie, you kind of messed up the flow because you always say the star of the show. Well, everybody knows I'm the star of the show. Yeah, but it's If just... you have to tell people you're a star, you're not really a star. People uh, know. Okay. They just know. They listen to the show. It, I just, it was they just, listen to the show when they know, going with the flow. That's what I'm saying is so. Man has hot bars. You can do everything <laughs> like Jackson Bo. Look at me go. Bam! I didn't mean that last one. It just came out. You remember Bo Jackson? I do. Enrique's never heard of Bo Jackson. He was a baseball player, wasn't he? Baseball slash football. He excelled at both. Did he excel at football? He ex- he was fantastic at football until he broke his leg. Oh, happens. What happened to Bo? He broke his leg. That's it? Bo knows. You remember that? I know that. No one knows that. Uh, a lot of people oh, know that. Everyone okay. listening to this podcast will say, hey, yeah, we remember okay, that email in by the droves. There's middle-aged men everywhere. <laughs> yeah, Bo <laughs> does from our, know. From our fantasy football league going, oh, yeah, Bo. Anyways. Are you talking about Bo Burnham? No, Bo. Bo. Bo who? Listen. Listen, you're not hip enough. I, of course I'm not hip enough. That's why I'm asking who's Bo. He was a baseball slash football player that was great. Okay. And you didn't watch sports because you're not athletic. Well, yeah, look at me. You play darts and you bowl. I bowl nose. <laughs> okay. Y'all both slight. did the same noise. He copied you. You did it first. He copied you. Well, it's because he didn't want to laugh into the mic. So I just do. <clears throat> I appreciate that. That's not. I'm glad you didn't blow out my earphones. And, and, I, and gonna, besides, I. It was I a chuckle. It. it was chuckle worthy. Plus your voice, your joke wasn't that funny. It was not. It was chuckle worthy. Um, well, that's a chuckle to us. It was a chuckle. <laughs> <laughs> More, I, for me, a chuckle's like. <laughs> well, yeah, you jabba the hut it. Oh, yeah. Why is it always got to be fat jokes? It wasn't a fat joke. That was a reference to Jabba's laugh. No. Who else laughs like Jabba? (laughs) That's it. That's a chuckle. There he is. That's a chuckle. Enrique chuckle. (laughs) That's fake. Chucklefish. Oh, I I can't. uh, The the only. That's the only thing I can't fake is a chuckle. What can you fake? That's the only thing you can't fake? Interest. Launch a rocket. Can you fake being a rocket scientist? Moon landing. Um, fake? 
Are you Kubrick? I, I, I don't even think I've practiced that one yet. Just, just tell us a lie. Lie to us. Just lie. Uh, now lie. Con- no, convince no, him. No, 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 a lie. I can't lie to someone. You can't. I, I, I can't, I can't fabricate like just a conversation. Mm. An emotion, on the other hand, I could probably fabricate. Do you even know what emotions are? Yeah, a little bit, more or less. It's, it's. I don't think you could fabricate anything. Like I could. I know for fabrication. I can fabricate a, a cry at least, not on the spot. Do it, not on the spot. No, okay, oh. so then that's not fabricating. It comes out. Okay, of, that's not how it works. I don't think you understand what fabricate <laughs> means. I guess I don't. It's not material. It's something that you're able just to produce. Can you produce? You should be able to just oh, produce like, it, like yeah, right like, now. Yeah, like I can produce. Like, yes, just crying. Then just, do it. Do it. Can you do it? Here he goes. He's taking the headphones off. What is? What he's? He's thinking about old Yeller. I'm. I'm just trying to. Oh, his kitty cats. Oh, that cat that died. I. I've never done this his, in front of people. That's okay. His glasses are coming off. His glasses are off. He's like Pedro Pascal level acting. This is like this a, a method. Method. Method acting. He's getting there. He's getting serious. I have never seen this type of facial gestures on this 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 man. I'm trying to do it. I've I'm being. I'm. I am slightly being moved right now. By slightly. The, slightly. You're talking. I'm being moved. Well, we can't have a silent podcast. Yeah, we know, could. It doesn't really it's work. Just, Somebody has to describe what you're going through here, Pedro. I guess it's just. I don't Pascal. Enrique, Enrique, look at me directly for a photo, so I can. And look sad. Okay. Look sad, like you're crying into the photo. Not at me. Look in, intrigued. Look at me. Look at me. There you go. Look at you. See, okay. All right. Well. That That's a, that. That was a bust. Uh, yeah, I know it was a bust. <laughs> he took I'll the glasses off. To I'll f- get it next time. Okay. I don't think you will. I, I will. I have confidence in you. Did you know that rats don't sweat? What? Rats the small don't... stuff. My name's Gummy Baraka. <laughs> Follow me for more puns. Here we go. That ahead. wasn't a pun. I don't know. That's what you say, though. Go ahead. Unlike us, rats don't get sweaty pits, nor do they pant like some other animals. They only have sweat glands on the skin of their paws, which isn't enough to cool them down. Instead, they use their naked tails to help regulate their temperature. They sweat through their tails. It doesn't say that. I'm just assuming if they use their tails to regulate temperature, they must sweat through their tails. That's weird. I don't want that. Maybe it's because their tails are like... Through conduction and convection, helping like with that. What does that mean? Conduction? Mm-hmm. It means that a material is able to conduct temperature or electricity. Conduction and convection is like through the air, like things blowing. And it's, so it's like an air conditioner. I would assume. So like convection oven. Mm-hmm. So a circulation. So, yeah. No breathing. Oh, no. Indeed breathing. Low temperature. <laughs> Rats. Don't have a bad reputation everywhere. In ancient Rome, rats were considered lucky. Mm. Ancient Egyptians and Mayans even worshipped rats. Enrique, you would be worshipped in ancient Egypt. What? What? <laughs> Why did you call me that? I feel violated and insulted. Wow. Oh, are you crying through your tail right now? Wow. That was okay. inappropriate. You dirty rat. They tried to bring rats back in the 90s. Remember Chuck E. Cheese? Yeah. The mechanical rat kid. Didn't casino. work out. <laughs> a little rat singing. A rat scallion. A rat scallion? A rat contour. You know what a raconteur is? A no. raconteur. 
Raconteur. Yeah, what is a raconteur? I was playing saying Raconteur. Oh. It's like Secret of Nim. It's like a... <laughs> Rats that are good a, at telling stories. Raconteurs was a band that old Jack... A raconteur is witty, skillful storyteller. Mm. I didn't know that. I didn't. So the raconteurs, they sing stories. And, and are their songs stories? They're bards. Hmm. Rats need company. If you have pet rats, you should always have more than one. They hate to be alone, and while they do bond with their owners, they need the company of other rats to stay happy. Best to keep the same gender together, though, to avoid any unplanned baby rats. What, what, unplanned why why do you have all these facts about rats? That's my did you knows. Oh, gotcha. I just wondered why you selected rats. I thought it was interesting. Oh, okay. Rats have excellent memories. They do? Rats are very clever and have super good memories. They can recognize other rats and humans they've seen before. And once they learn how to get somewhere, they're unlikely to forget the route. The rat. No? Okay. So you've given up on your headphones, I say. No, it, <laughs> Didn't it, like it's them. fine. I appreciate the way you're using your microphone straight up your nose. Yes, there as I should. Oh, 250 <laughs> episodes in. He doesn't know how to use microphones. Is this episode 250? No. This is like 247. Right, we got to say we got to save 250 cuz we're going to do something it's, special. It's a, no we're not. Yes, we Why are. not? Why can't we do okay, something special? Okay, here's the here's the key one. <laughs> it says they can detect landmines by landing on them. <laughs> <laughs> they probably smell them. Indeed. It says this doesn't apply to your average pet rat, but African giant pouched rats. So Pouch? very specifically. Are used to help (laughs) like a kangaroo. Apparently, like a marsupial. So he like crawls along the belt. A rat supial. And they train him. They train him to find the landmines. He's got a little wire cutter with him. He's pouch. He's got reaching his little basket. Pulls it out of his pouch and starts clipping wires. Cut the red wire. I would watch that. Like like Watership (laughs) Down. But but a bunch of rats. I have never seen Watership Down because it seems. Yes, as we know, I cry easily. But Watership Down is rough. I, yeah, yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to see it. It seems depressing it's to me. It's a bunch of rabbits doing rabbit stuff and suffering rabbit <laughs> things. <laughs> they suffer. What? Uh, they like all have no care. We're out of carrots. Oh! No, they have British accents and they all die and have problems. What? What? That's a book, right? It's a show on Netflix. I, but I thought it was a book. I'm, yeah, I'm sure it was. I could read it. The Secret of Nim is tough enough to watch. Secret of Nim, yep. That's a Do you know what rat. The Secret of Nim is? Yes, I okay. watched The Secret okay. of Nim. Enrique, have you ever seen The Secret I'll of Nim? I'll you know that I joined the, the society. One? I was of the Knights of Nim. The Knights who say, Nim me. Enrique, have you ever heard of The Secret of Nim? <laughs> it's not much of a secret. It's a, I think it's an old Disney thing. Yeah, yeah I think it was. Let me say old school Disney when Disney was good. Disney's still good. Okay, so yeah. the, 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 this doesn't apply to your average pet rat, but African giant pouched rats are used to help sniff out landmines. Their excellent sense of smell helps them to detect mines buried oh. underground. They're so light, fear not, they're so light, that they won't set them off. Meaning they can safely alert humans as to where they are. But if you're thinking of getting rats, always make sure you do your research first. Check out pdsa.org.uk. And that's your rat facts for the day. Secret of Nim was lit. I remember Secret of Nim. It's one of those shows. It's like, it's dark, 
but yet in you know i was i don't even want to come out probably the 80s holy cow i did not know that will wheaton was in it secret of nim martin bisbee really wow wesley crusher was a rat who would have thought there's a joke there and we're not gonna make it um god that can't be right it hmm. had him down. Yes, it was. Martin Bisbee, voiced by Will Wheaton. He must have been a small child at it that point. It was 82. And oh, no. like, so, he's yeah, older than us. He's done it. He's, he's, yeah, Will's like 50, isn't he? Yeah, he's slightly older than us. Cause he, he but did he that. looks so young. Yeah. Will's 50 years old. Boy, I was right on the money. So he's right at, yeah, he's fine. He doesn't look 50. I wish I liked him more. <laughs> I don't really like him that much. Well, I, him, Wesley Crusher, does not help the situation. He was an annoying kid. But in the movie, what's the the last of uh, the, the Stand with Me, Buy uh-huh. with Me? What's that movie? Yeah, Stand by Me. Stand by Me. He's fine. He's like the serious one, but he's a fine actor. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing about Will Wheaton. Well, well but his character, Wesley Crusher, and Star- Wesley hurt him. Here's the thing. I was watching several the 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 best season of Star Trek: Next Generation. I believe is season five or six. I can't remember. It's it's been like that's like the thing. And I recently rewatched that season. What Just, takes place generally? It's the one. It's the one that has like Captain Picard starts wearing that blazer thing. There you go. He's got that. I and got that, you. Patrick Stewart says, "Hey, I want to look different." And that's why they made that. And then it has that episode where him and that other captain, that alien captain that just speaks in analogies, is on that planet, and they're like. Darmoth on Tanaka, and they have to figure out what they're saying, and it's a great, great episode. Um, anyways, long story short, the thing with Will Wheaton's character in Next Generation is that he they should have progressed him. Like he was the annoying little kid, he went to Starfleet, he messed up. They should have made him into an adult. They should have brought him back in, and then one of two things should have happened in the final season of Star Trek. Either Wesley gets killed. And they repeat the whole thing where Wesley's father died and, and Picard brought his body back to, to Beverly. The last season of, of Next Generation should have been Picard, Beverly Crusher, having a love interest. Somehow Wesley's on the ship. Something happens. Wesley gets killed. And the history repeats itself. That would have been very emotional. Or if they were really bold and were just going to kill off Picard, that'd be the time where Picard sacrifices himself, which they wouldn't have done it because of the movies. No. But the most feasible thing would have been they knew they were going to get rid of Real Wheaton, let his character die off in a meaningful way, rather than it just being like, oh, he's fantasies, he's now a traveler. I remember when he went to the academy and like his friends and them all like messed up big time. Yeah, and they all lied about it. Yeah. And Picard was like, that I'm was, very disappointed in you. Yeah, was like, that is like the best episode for, for Will Wheaton's character. Um. Do you remember Beverly Crusher's first husband's name? Uh, Wesley's father? Yes, shoot. Oh, I wish you wouldn't test me with Star Trek things, but I remember she said it several times. I can't remember. Would it be Jack? Yes, I think it's Jack Crusher. It was Jack Crusher. Okay, I'm just going to say. I think it's season one she says Jack. The irony of that Mm -hmm. in Picard season three? I haven't watched it. I don't care for. I haven't watched it. It, but okay. don't, don't spoil it. For I'm me, not. It's, I'm watching, I, you need to watch season three. Well, I okay. First off, the first season was awful. I completely skipped the second season. The As first, you should. the third season, I started. And I watched the first episode, and it was it really felt like what it should be. They brought back everybody. I don't like that Brent Spiner comes back, but I, Picard I, season three. I'm three episodes in. The third episode's the best. It's 
It's interesting. I like it. The next generation is back, baby. That should have been really, to me, what the first season was. Because, look, Picard has a mission. He goes out, and everybody's got older. Everybody's doing other stuff. But you get... Here's what I wanted to see. You don't have to get the entire cast together. But, like, LeVar Burton and Michael Dorn already said, yeah, we'll come back. They should have brought them back. You know Jonathan Franks ain't doing nothing. They could have dragged everybody back. He's probably the most busy. He's a director. I know, but yeah, but I mean, like in terms of Star Trek. But mm-hmm. another thing is, why don't you bring back the other beloved characters? Like, oh, Chief O'Brien needs to be in there. That's the greatest character in Star Trek. They could have brought. They brought back Seven of Nine because that's Jerry Ryan. I mean, that's the sound. Tashiar was apparently upset she wasn't brought back, and I wanted to say, you're dead. Well, they clumped. Well, so's Data. They keep bringing back Brent. Yeah, but he's a figment. They keep bringing back Brent. Brent Spiner keeps coming back. I'm saying anyway. that Tasha Yar and her character, there could have been things that they could have done. Oh, yeah. But well, anyway, They cloned her with the Romulan version. Mm-hmm. We're going really they, deep they in the brought, weeds. They brought Star her back Trigger. as Ellen DeGeneres, the Romulan. <laughs> 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 that's all what right. she looked like. So looked like Ellen DeGeneres. Now that we've lost all our listeners on our Star Trek Next Generation oh, talk. I guarantee you all of our listeners are, are like in rapt attention right now. I doubt Raptor attention. They love Enrique is looking at me strangely. Enrique doesn't watch Star Trek. He's leering at me through the side of his eyes. I will say that in terms of Star Trek and Star Wars, I've often said that I intend to lean more towards Star Trek for some reason. And I don't know why, because the quality of it, I think I like the idea of Star Trek, even though I will arguably say that a lot of Star Wars stuff tends to be better produced. Well, it's a whole whole discussion. You're talking about a difference in TV shows versus movies. Well, there's been movies. There's been more stars. But here's the the thing with the movies, and this is what my issue has been up until J.J. Abrams made an action-packed movie that was an actual movie with Captain Kirk being able to produce action moves. The movies were just elongated TV shows. Yeah. yeah. And you have these old actors... That they're not, they can't do any action. Which Star Trek isn't necessarily an action show; it's, not. it's a cerebral show. Uh, but they relied on the you knowing the characters. You you laugh at what Spock says when he's talking to Bones, and Bones back to Spock, uh-huh. and Jim's being, you know, a fiery captain, not going by the rules and breaking the law, and he's a loose cannon, and Beverly Crusher. You know, you right. get all this. You're from the so. But J.J. Abrams made a movie for the modern age with the modern modern actors portraying old characters. That's why the first one was fantastic. It's pretty good. Kind of lost its way with two and three. Three, I hated three. Star Trek Beyond, did not like that at all. We're getting really deep in the weeds here. I'm going to pull in Enrique. What are we going to talk about today, Jerry? Wait a minute. You didn't finish your thought. I. What was it? You just talking about Star Trek. Finish <clears throat> it. So Star Wars is movies <clears throat> aimed specifically at more action-packed. Space wars. Ships shooting each other. You know, fighting guns, lasers, right, sabers. Right, right, right. Star Trek is more cerebral. Right. It's more of... This is a potential future where mankind has yeah, overcome okay. their problems yes. and they are able to negotiate with aliens, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so How can we deal with these in a, in a cerebral manner? So you have Star Trek where it's like, let's think this through. Star Wars, Han Solo shoots first. Okay. So that's the difference in your movie styles. I 
this is my thing. People act like you can't do both. Star Wars or Star Trek. I freaking love both. Oh, yeah. I grew up on both. I grew up on Star Trek. I grew up on Star Wars. I can appreciate them for what they are. Mm -hmm. The Star Wars movies are vastly superior to the Star Trek movies. Star Trek has three good movies. I don't. I'm not. Oh, hold on. Hold on. on. I'm going to piss a lot of people off right here. Name them. I don't like Wrath of Khan. Okay. Four and six. So you're, you're the voyage home and undiscovered country. Okay. My favorite is undiscovered country. And then Star Trek, one of the reboots. The generation one. I don't know. The you're, very first uh, one. Oh, now you're going into the Star Trek generations. Yeah. The, all the Star Trek. No, movies. The, out of the next generation movies. All of them. Uh, I think I liked only the one where Cochran, Zephyr and Cochran discovered contact. warp. First contact. I liked that one. Okay, that's the best one. The, the rest were garbage. Okay, okay. Well, all right. First off, Wrath of Khan is really good. The first Star Trek movie, the the, the motion picture was trippy. It was an acid trip, so I understand that. But but you cannot, James Horner and those horns and that Wrath of Khan, yeah, that was great. I even really liked The Search for Spock. I got into that because it was emotional because that was, you know, Spock dead. He's dead. And then here's this other thing. He's dead, Jim. Undiscovered Country. I watched that oh so much. That was like primo. Plumber. Yeah. Yes. And that's Shakespeare. I love the fact that they're insinuating like Shakespeare was in its original Klingon. I love that. He kicks that alien in the knee. Yes. Um the original Next Generation movie was the first Generations one. where Kirk meets G- uh, Picard. Mm-hmm. Whoopi Goldberg. That's kind of, eh. First Contact was awesome. First Contact was good. Insurrection was kind of blah. The last one. The with clone Tom Picard. Hardy, Tom Hardy. Yeah. Nemesis. Nemesis. Tom Hardy being a nemesis. That was that was close. Data dies. That was pretty good. So, there's, yeah, that's good. Um and the new ones, I did like the original new one, the, the reboot of it. I'm really sad that, and, and and to your point, I'd like to point out that there have been more, there's been more better Star Wars, Star Trek movies than there have been Star Wars movies. So I guess if you go by that, you could go two, four, and six. There's been more, yeah. The generations, you got first contact, so that's four, and, five, and then the next, so that's five, five good movies. Maybe five good Star Wars movies. Well, the first three. Okay. <laughs> Rogue One, Force Awakens, Rogue One, and maybe I liked Solo. Uh, I liked Solo. Solo had a chance. I liked Aldrin and Rich. There was uh, I did too. I thought he liked it, but uh, I think I thought he was fine. I thought he was fine. I I liked the fact. The best part in the show to me was when he shot the guy. Just just shot him. That was it. That to me was as he was taught by that very guy. The guy was talking. He shot him like he didn't. He didn't. I thought that was perfect. It was somebody. Somebody argued like, no, we just got to have him shoot him. Don't have him draw. That wasn't a good good movie, and it just bombed for some reason. It did. And it's sad because they really had a lot of potential there. But either way. Um, Enrique, what are your thoughts on anything we've said? You've just been leering at us. I, I'm just, I'm just. Can you use your microphone? Point. Uh, you can point it towards your mouth. That's the point of this of a podcast. I know. It's a talk into the microphone. <laughs> it's literally the Look foundation. He's figuring it out. He's figuring it out. I'm go sorry. ahead. Hey, can I ask you one question real what? fast? Have you watched the next, the season three of Mandalorian yet? The first episode. Not yet. Okay, you need to watch it tonight. Okay. Because we're going to talk about it tomorrow. Okay. I've watched it again. Mandalorian is hard to beat, even when they do a cheap episode where it's just 
Grogu being adorable. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, there's an explosion. And even when they do a low-end episode, mm-hmm. a bad Mandalorian episode is still a good... It's high, that's, highly entertaining. That's pretty bad. That's like when you watch it, you can say, like, what's the least funny episode of The Office? And that episode is still funnier than anything the Big Bang Theory or anything else has ever put out. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what's, that's what's sad, is that, that when your quality is, is so high that even... Your worst is, is better than most. But season three, episode one wasn't the worst. It's just no, all set up. It's just set up. But anyway, so I'm just, I'm just saying, watch okay. that because we're going to talk about it. Because you look a lot like Pedro Pascal. You always bring that up because you look a lot like Pedro Pascal. You do. But, I was, but you're not as it was, it was charismatic. What was the other one? Dare you? Why can't I think of his name? I, I'm going to butcher that mob Mexican mob. mob Benicio boss. del Toro. No. Uh, why can't I not? The Mexican mobster. What are you talking about? Oh, uh, I can't. The real life guy? Yeah. It, I'm, oh, you're not. You're not. You're not El Jefe. You're not. not uh, what's his name? The Narcos guy? Yeah, you're talking about the dude that's uh, uh, El Chapo. El Chapo. You you kind of have a little bit of El Chapo going too. What do you? Okay. All right. Well, we're we're lagging. We're not lagging. No. Yeah. yeah just move on. I'll I'll please. Okay. But I'll so tell you speaking later. of quality. And just the the kind of the gauge for which we use for quality. We had this discussion, me and Gabby, back and forth a while ago that we finally decided we just need to put this on the air because our thoughts are better than your thoughts. Um, we discussed Reiner Knizia and Gabby posed this question to me, which was, is Reiner Knizia a good designer? And that's a good question. Because he's certainly prolific. He's done like what? Over 200 games? Gobby has the mm. stats for all that. 680. I was off by a little bit. And he has, from what I know in terms of popular games that like have shown up on BGG, uh, from starting on from 1992, Modern Art, 95, Medici, High Society, Tigers and Euphrates, Through the Desert, Samurai, Raw, Lost City, Stevenson's Rocket, The Lord of the Rings, Battleline, Taj Mahal, Winter Circle, The Lord of the Rings, Amon Ray, Blue Moon, Indigenous, Ingenious, Indigenous, I said that wrong, Age of War, The Quest for El Dorado, Blue Lagoon, That Llama Game, which was all right, Babylon, My City, and so he he produces a lot of games that are very much okay. highly ranked, and so that's the kind of thing. He has a PhD in mathematics. We know he worked in the banking industry, so he's he's one of these guys that's a numbers guy, and so he really has produced a lot of games and some very highly respected games. But is he a good designer? All right, Gabby, I'm looking at you. Okay, state your case. All right. So this was my question. Based on the amount of games that he has produced, 680, as Jerry was going through some of those, and if you look on BGG, he has 36 notables. And it says that's an abridged list. But let's get real. Who can name more than 36 Ryder Knizia games that are good? Mm. Going back to 1992 on BGG, that is. That's an abridged list. So out of 680 games, 36 notables. Again, an abridged list. But again, let's be real. That's anybody. That's all anybody can know. So according to my calculations, 36 out of 680 
is 5%. Okay. 5% of his games are worth being notable. His first published game was Go Digger. Again, this is for my research on BGG. Kanye. <laughs> what? What? I ain't saying she is. 1990. But she ain't playing no fantasy football okay, games. Okay, we, we've done enough of Kanye. Rank 10,642. Uh, Desperados is listed as 1980. I was confused. I think BGG has some glitches. I don't know. Maybe I'm looking at it correctly. So his first couple games was like rank 10,000, rank 18,000. Okay. My other thing is he has a lot of games that he just re-implements his own games. Mm-hmm. The Great Chinese Railway game re-implements Stevenson's Rocket. Mm-hmm. Invasion of the Garden Gnomes re-implements Vampire, mm-hmm. which is his. Mm-hmm. He makes his own games over again. Mm-hmm. I mean, he might make them better. He's prolific. He's made 680 games. They're remixes. Chicka chicka. Prolific, yes. Elite, no. Uh-huh. In contrast. So now, again, I was thinking, okay, so making a board game. That, so I was thinking like in baseball, if you're batting 250, you're doing pretty good. That's one in every four things, right? Uh-huh. One, in every four, one in every four hits is fairly good for baseball. So your percentage of successes is relative to the difficulty of the task, uh-huh. which I would say designing a board game is pretty difficult. Uh-huh. Martin Wallace, according to BGG, he has created approximately 136 games, 61 of which are notable. It's my man, Martin. 44%. Yeah. So that's I'm going off of that. Out of 680, 5% of notables out of 61 out of 106 for Martin, for Martin Wallace, 44%. And that, I was just comparing Martin Wallace because that's our favorite designer. This is just a topic of discussion, and I don't mean to come down on Reiner Knizia. It just, but listen. it just got okay. You, I know, you, I know, you don't I know. Have to preface all this. Stop this. Where okay, you're fine. All right. You I'm not, not going to hedge. No. You hate Reiner. Just say it. He's come out with like this Zuvatis that's just come out. Mm. Supposed to be like a really good like negotiation type game. I've never heard of it. It's a, it's a recent Kickstarter. I want to know because I like negotiation. My question was: We hear a lot about Ragnar Knizia. He has a lot of high, we love high society. We love modern art. We love several of his games. You like Tigris and Euphrates. The list goes on of the thirty-eight on his abridged list. If you just constantly are doing something and every now and then hit on that, even a blind squirrel finds a nut, as the old saying goes, right? Uh-huh. Does that mean you're good or just that you're prolific? Prolific does not equal good. Just because you're able to do a bunch of something does not mean you're good at it. And out of all those, you're bound to, not necessarily, but surely something in, like a writer, I don't know the most prolific writers. I might think of Stephen King. He's written lots of books and a lot of them are hits, but you can have a a writer that writes a bunch of novels and really all they need is one to become a bestseller. Mm -hmm. And then they're highly regarded. I venture to say Reiner Knizia is prolific, has had some good games, 
but not necessarily a great designer based on my research. Really? So you don't, you, so when you say he's not a great designer, well, then we get it. Uh, that's what I'm saying. So if you've made that many games and this amount of them are great, well, that's the, that's the whole discussion. Is he good? How many games do you need to have out of how many you've made? Would you be considered good? Well, that's a good, like I said, that's an interesting question because I like that you're doing the percentile with, with Martin Wallace. And I would argue, of course, that Martin Wallace, in my opinion, of course, is, is probably the best designer around. And just simply because of the fact that a lot of his games are variable, they're different. Okay, so I get that. And I will say that Reiner Knizius certainly does have his own style and that he does re-implement things over and over and over and over and over. So if you're just going by this arbitrary list, which has been frowned upon here a lot lately when you go by BGG because of the whole controversy that's taken place with Brass, another Martin Wallace game, recently becoming number one, and Gloomhaven getting review bombed and things of that nature and the craziness that happens with these types of lists, which is why I've been saying for the longest time they just need to do like the Oscars or anything else, have a bunch of notable podcasters and people in the industry be the ones that vote on this stuff, and then you have a people's choice thing, kind of like Rotten's Tomato, whatever. But either way, my point being is that I would be... I think that the fact that Reiner makes so many games and a lot of those games are generic, I wouldn't hold that necessarily against him because I think that Reiner has fallen into the trap. I don't say it's a trap, really, but he he's fallen into the industry as being a well-known name. He's won many awards. People know who he is. And so thus, everybody wants him to make a game for them. And he's, he's trying to work. He's trying to make a living. So, of course, it's very e- easy for him to re-implement something, to redesign something, and to, d- to be released. And that game not to be notable. Because a game doesn't have to be notable for it to be successful, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. And so I wouldn't necessarily hold that against him. And so rather, I would say, if I was going to take a designer and say... I want to compare this designer and this designer and this designer. I want to put them all in the box and say, okay, what's your best? Give me your best three games. Like like the cream of the crop. What's your best games? And then compare that as your, this is what I'm submitting to you. These aren't the games that I designed over a weekend because some random company says, hey, we, we want a game from you. Can you re-implement something that we can sell it? I'm talking about what is your baby that what you have put the most effort into? Show me those games and compare those in terms of quality. And I would argue that when Reiner is on his game, when he's really on it, when he is trying to produce something that is original and interesting, it's hard to admit that Reiner doesn't nail it. Like, I, his, his top games would rival the top games of other designers. And I think that would be a more accurate way of determining if he's a good designer, if you know what I mean, rather than by a percentile. 
but but I like the idea that you know because I mean who's to say that Martin Wallace if he produced 600 games that that his percentile rating of notable games wouldn't drop significantly simply because I can't imagine I mean the idea of producing one game to a layperson is is insurmountable we see how many kickstarters fail but the fact that you produce 600 games and you've got a certain percentile, 40 or 50 of them that are notable or, or whatever it might be, that's just insane to me. At some point, you, you'd have to fall into complacency and a lot of these games just be reprints and, and redoes anyways. So I don't know. Well, I, to, that, to that effect, just being straight stats, to be my own devil's advocate mm-hmm. along your lines... Matt Leacock. Right. Right. We've we've talked a lot about Matt Leacock. He's made Pandemic. He's basically just made Pandemic over and over and over and over again. All of them could probably be considered successes. You got all the Pandemics, the Pandemic Legacies. You've got the Forbidden Islands, the Forbidden Desert, now Forbidden Jungle. You got the Forbidden Skies, not a big hit. Uh, But everything else is just a reskin. Mm-hmm. But according to the straight statistics on BGG, those would be considered all successes, probably. But that's deceiving. So that's just saying the, the, the statistics can be skewed. So when I'm looking at Reiner Canizia has made 680 games of those, this amount is notable. But other people might have a better hit rate, but that's because they're just basically making the same game over and over again. True. And so with with and that, that's a good point with Leacock, I would say that I would I would almost wrap all of his hits regarding pandemic because they are very much the same. All of your pandem- pandemic pandemic leg- maybe I, I would isolate out pandemic legacy, but pandemic pandemic legacy. But I would I would pile in on pandemic with the Rome game and all these other iterations of it and just, just throw them all into one. So really if you're Matt Leacock and they go, what's your biggest hit? And he goes pandemic and all the little things that are connected to it, all these other variations and pandemic legacy. Would you call him a good designer? I got two. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, he's a good designer of that one specific thing. I have yet to see any variability from him. So there you go. There's my question. So if you're Matt Leacock and I go, I've got two games, both of them were like um, number one or close to being number one on the hotness. They were blah, 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 all these awards like pandemic legacy as much uh, both of those games. If you want to argue, they changed the industry Mm -hmm. pandemic in terms of co-op. Shoot. I hate co-op games. I have pandemic. Mm hmm. I don't like legacy games that much. We play Pandemic. I mean, but it's hard to argue that those weren't two of the most influential games. So let's just say that he just made just those two games. That would be hard to argue that he is not a good designer. To to your point of, is he good just in that realm? Well, that's like saying that I'm I'm Steven Spielberg. Am I a good director? But all of my shows involve children being put into danger. Jurassic Park, E.T., Super 8, whatever you call it. All these various little films. <laughs> JJ. But it was with him. Steven Spielberg was also mm-hmm. part of that, too. So there you go. So all these various films that all involve this same genre. 
You can look that up, and you're no. I'm, I'm 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 I was thinking of Goonies. Is Goonies Stephen? I don't know. But my point no, being, Richard Donner. My point being is that if you're just good in one thing, does that still make you just a good director? Do you feel like you have to be good jack of all trades to really be considered one of the greats? You can excel in your field. So like. Uh, Martin Scorsese can't make anything without just De Niro. gangster movies. But is he a good director? Yeah, in that specific field. Okay, but you keep hedging that in that specific field. That, but what you mean is genre. So I'm saying is, is that if you just do co-op games, if you just do lightweight co-op games, and you nail it, if they are like the lightweight co-op games, are you a good designer? Well, here the the discussion with that would be what we've said about Martin Wallace. Mm-hmm. Martin Wallace seems to make a variety of genres, and they're all he's had hits in several different areas, mm-hmm. as opposed to Uwe, who just makes farming games, as opposed to what we're talking about here, just uh, Leacock, who makes all these cooperation games, as opposed to Lang, who just makes these. Big mini fighting games. Okay. So, to your point, and I'll just use an analogy. You watch football. Is Emmett Smith a good football player? Okay. Yes. Is he a good running back? Yes. He a good quarterback? No. There's my point. Mm. So, you're using a very defined thing of saying, oh, if they can't do it all, they're not that good. Well, no. Maybe it is. Is that simply it would be very difficult to make a co-op game. And maybe Matt Leacock has it figured out. Maybe it's very difficult to make a mass market, highly sellable, lightweight game that has a twist. But Reiner Knizia has done that 600 times. Maybe Martin Wallace is just really good at Euros. And he's got that, take this resource, do this thing, this engine building thing, and trains and dirty coal. And he's got that figured out. But maybe, maybe, maybe there's guys that can do do it all. Maybe that is what's impressive about them. Maybe they can do a little bit of everything. But that does not, not everybody's a bow. <laughs> not everybody can do it all. Mm-hmm. And so I think that when you're saying, is Reiner a good designer? I think the same thing. Reiner pit, the designer. I think the same thing that we get into is is with games when it comes to what we're expecting from them. It really irritates me when people will go on and on and on about a game and they upsell it. Like, is it that Dragon Flamecraft game? Flamecraft. Whatever. People were going on and going on and going on and going on. It's very light. Mm -hmm. I don't want to play a light game. I I got enough light games. I don't want that. But to hear people talk about it, there were many people pushing that as being, well, there's a lot of strategies. Well, I'm sure there might be to somebody, but it's not heavy enough but when you act like it is and then you get someone like me who would go and play it and go this is too light why did this is not what i want why are you trying to sell me something that is not what i what i'm expecting people do that all the time where they will move the goalpost and say well this game is it's it's, it's i don't i don't like this game well of course you don't like it it's too light you were expecting something heavier or playing a heavy game that you don't, you were expecting it to be really accessible and going, oh, I don't understand this, I don't understand that. Well, of course, it was a heavy game. 
So your expectations into going into it, I think that the expectations of what a good designer is need to be defined. And if you're saying that they're a jack of all trades, well, who is? There is nobody. Martin doesn't put out co-ops. He doesn't do Ameritrash. Who does? There is not one designer except I would, if I had to name somebody that might be able to do it all, it would be Reiner that can do Reiner. Reiner, yes, wow. he's the only the person we're talking about that can do it all. I thought you were going to say Martin. No, Martin doesn't do co-ops. Martin doesn't do nothing light. Martin doesn't do. If it don't have a train, or if it doesn't have coal, and like I said, Martin's my favorite guy. He's my he is probably to me the best designer in terms of what I would consider a designer. But if you're wanting Jack of all trades can do it all, it's Reiner. Hmm. Reiner's the only guy who's got the backing of that. And so to go by the numbers and say, well, this guy sucks or is just not as not as a, a good a designer because his hit rate is so low. I would argue that if you took the top five Reiner games and pit them against the top five of any other designer, you're going to have a problem. Like, it is going to be tight. It's going to be a hard argument. And so it just really depends on people's perception of what you think a board game designer should be. All right. Here, here, and I'll, I'll I'll use this as an example. I think in terms of family level children's games that I've that I've played with my kids the best the the most just just spot on this should be in everybody's collection is core quest now is Dan Hughes a great designer no Dan's just some <laughs> no, no don't be ridiculous no, no, I mean <laughs> but he but his first outing he took everything he knew and he nailed it from the little MP3 little, little readings that they do uh, of the voices before each little mission and the little mechanics with it, it is exactly what you want a family game to be. He's done one of those, and he nailed it. He's one for one. So he's a one-hit wonder. Batting the fast. He's one-hit wonder in my book. And so if you were to look at that and go, if Dan Hughes never makes another game ever again, and they look back over the years and finally go, okay, what's the best family game? And go, it's Core Quest. And this Kickstarter this guy did, and this is the, this is everything that he did, and the, you can make your own people, and blah 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 blah. That would he still be a good designer, even though he knocked it out of the park? He was a one hit wonder one time. Enrique, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. So is there a potential for this Rudy effect? I'll say yes. Dan Hughes, my <clears throat> primary co-host, guest host. Yes, he's a good designer. Love you, Dan. Rike, you didn't even play the game, you know? Uh, I have not I played know. the game. I, I am the only one playing the game. I'm just <laughs> saying, is there a potential for someone to do a Rudy to put me in the game, Coach, and just have that? Because that, that, to me, is what it was. So I'm pretty sure if you lock Dan Hughes in a room and say, Dan, this is your full-time job. You've got to design children's games from here on out just start cranking them out every year we need a new game i made you a mixtape coming up next at, yeah at same at some point you're going to have a degrade degradation of 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 quality in what you're producing like you just cannot keep it up i don't think it would just be insanely hard tell that to christopher nolan 
What do you mean? Like his movies? Because you don't Dude. produce that many movies. Well, uh, they're all good, though. High quality. I think you can maintain a standard. If you, do. That's like saying if you make one big hit, you can't make another. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm okay. saying is that if, but if you're, per, it, it is factual that if you're forced to make something at a certain rate, you lose quality. Nolan Ryan, Nolan Ryan, <laughs> love that guy. Great pitcher. Um, Christopher Nolan, I was just thinking of Nolan Ryan. Do you remember the Nolan restaurant? Nolan Ryan actually produced at a high value for a long time. Uh, here's the thing about Nolan Ryan, though. He had the best restaurant. Do you ever eat at Ryan's? I have not. That's a great restaurant. Wait, Ryan's Cafeteria? Yes. Is that him? I'm pretty sure. Wow. Wait a minute. That is a good buffet. Ryan's has not been a, that's a, uh, it's a, it's a buffet along the lines of Golden Corral, etc. Ryan's Cafeteria. Look it up. Make sure it is. Ryan's Cafeteria. Who owns that? Ryan's Cafeteria. Please, please be Ryan's, more right. Ryan's buffet. <laughs> I just said that like I knew for a fact. I'm you t- did say that real fast. But um, it's a great Oh, uh, and my phone's dead. <laughs> I was operating on 1%. All right. I'm pretty sure. So we're just going to go by that. It was, it was, it was, but, but my point is, is that at some point, you're going to, you're, you're going to degrade the quality of what you're putting out. Like it's it's just not it's just just like a TV show that's been on for ten seasons, right? It's just not going to happen, and so Christopher Nolan is putting out just a very few videos at a time, a very few movies at a time. So of course, what he's putting out is going to be of a certain quality. He's not having to produce something constantly, so I don't think it's fair to compare. When you've got these actors or directors that have been going on for a long time that continually produce something, I just I I, I think at some point in time you're going to say though that they've degraded like it's not the same. So that was what I would say about about Reiner the fact that he's produced that much and he continues to produce that much alone makes him a very notable designer. He is notable. And well, when you say notable, I don't, I don't think you know what that means. I, you just said it. I repeated you. No, you, no, you said everyone he, knows Reiner. I know, but is he good? I think you just answered that question. What? What did I say? Uh, he's good. That's basically what you said. No, you don't even. You, you spoke you for don't like twenty listen. minutes straight. No, you don't and even listen. What you said was, "Yeah, he's good." You don't even know. You're not even listening. You said he's just notable. I literally. You just said it right before I did. He's notable. He's of note. Right. So, do you? I don't think you're getting the point. One is able to note him. Do you think that means good? Notable. Mm-hmm. No. But he's notable. <laughs> It's confusing, Doc. Oh, sorry. I cut you off and ring Because you haven't said anything for the last 30 minutes. Because, well, Jerry's been talking. Uh, that's good. Uh, you guys were getting into it. Don't worry about we it. We weren't getting into it. We were having a discussion. Well, uh, There's different th- discussions and getting into it. Well, I I combine the two. It, it It's context. And it's not that I came out and said, I don't think Rounder can... Well, I did, actually. But based on the statistics I was looking at, is he good based on the hits versus the misses? But uh, just the hits should count for something is what Jerry says. Right. Yeah, it it should should count as something because he's produced so much of it. Out of, you know, 700 games, he has a few hits. That's good. 
So he is a good designer. Apparently so. No, I'm asking you, do you think he's a good designer? The guy, I thoroughly enjoy his You're not games. answering the question. Is he a good designer? I, it's not that easy to answer from this whole discussion. It's 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 more than is he good because the the games he has produced that we thoroughly enjoy those are good games. Mm-hmm. Is he a good designer in regards to those games? Yes. Out of the other six hundred and fifty he's produced, no. That doesn't make a bit of sense. So you're saying I know that, that's what I'm saying. I just I I really don't have a, a a dog in this fight. I just thought it was an interesting discussion of this guy that's produced. This vast amount of games, of which, realistically, a small portion have hit with audiences. Is he good at what he does? And that's what I'm saying. That's why I made that statement earlier about it depends on what field you are in, the successes versus the failures. Baseball, one in every four is good. Golfing, if you missed a ball... You're in big trouble. Like, that's not good because the difficulty, you're hitting a ball that's sitting still. Is it good? Is it, is it easy to hit it straight? No. That's like writing books, directing movies. Every field you're in is different. So that the context of whatever you're doing affects whether or not you are successful or not in the amount of uh, uh, the, in your output. So, what do you consider to be a successful board game? Let's take let's take the content creation. Mm-hmm. There's a billion board game YouTubes out there. Mm-hmm. What would you consider to be a successful YouTube board game channel? I, I have an I have a definition of that. Okay, go ahead. But I'd be interested in what your definition is. Of it. I would say if I saw myself and I'm putting down content. And I saw myself, that's very broad. I chose a poor example because mm-hmm. <laughs> there's, it would have to be a comparison of how many content creators there are, what the median line of oh, uh, downloads and all that oh, stuff is. Okay. Okay. So you're comparing yourself and using well, your, was no, a, no, 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 was, no, 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 no. You're comparing yourself to other people to determine your success, which is what's wrong. There you go. Yes. Yes. That, that's, that's completely illegitimate. I asked you what your definition is and you give me a definition. Well, I would compare myself to others. Yes. Yeah. So, which is why perhaps that's why you lack confidence. Well, exactly. So, yes. so why are you comparing yourself to others, which you'll never compare to? You will never be the best at anything. No. I'm garbage. So why, so why, no, 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 no. I'm just going, go why ahead. would you compare yourself to anybody? Because in a f- certain field, you would need to know what is successful. What is your determination? Uh, complete- it's very. Uh, you're right. You're right. No, it's no. I'm super asking hard to you, nail down. No, it's not hard to nail down. I have it nailed down. What is your definition of success for this podcast? Whatever you establish. What did you establish for this podcast? For us? Yeah. Uh, I have a set amount of downloads I would like to reach. Okay. Why? Because uh, that's a goal. Why? Because that's what I've set my what mind. What will it do for you? Nothing. Nothing. So is that success uh, to reach uh, something uh, that's, that's uh, done? Let me say yeah, something. Yeah. Let, me, let, me, let me just address something here real fast. Yeah. 
When we discuss things on the phone, oftentimes Jerry agrees with me and then he's like, yeah, that sounds good. Da, 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 da. But as soon as we start podcasting about it, you take the devil's advocate spot and you go against me. What am I going which against is you? Good. No, no, no. It's good because if we both agreed, whatever. I don't know. But like sometimes I feel like you agree with me when we're on the phone together. But then as soon as we start podcasting, you try to pick me apart. I don't remember agreeing with you. When does this agreement well, always? I don't Oftentimes. Agree with, no, no, but but with Reiner about this? Uh, specifically Reiner. Okay. I agree with you on Reiner stuff to a, to, to, to a limited degree. And not that I... Not that I need or... Well, I do want you. I do want you well, to I agree do, with me. I do agree with you on a limited degree about Reiner. I understand your points. I'm just saying is that, to me, this idea, and this is what I'm trying to explore... This idea of what success is. Oh, that's a we, that's a different topic. We no, have. no, no, no. It's not. It's it's the same. It's exactly the same. You're trying to determine if Reiner is a good designer. Thus, no, but, but, right. But when we were having this, we had this success discussion. We were discussing entertainment versus talent. Correct. Correct. Okay. So is he a good designer? Now you're saying about the podcast. You used your own analogy. You're coming up with an arbitrary number that you have just set for some reason and saying this is means successful, right? Okay, yes. Okay, why that number? What makes that number important? I don't know. Yeah, right. So you have a nebulous number that means nothing, that will do nothing, that you have arbitrarily set at random, not at the beginning, but Correct. midway through. Correct. So you think that's a good way of gauging success? Obviously not. Okay. So the same thing is true in terms of... How dare you pick my arguments apart? Well, no, I'm just saying the same thing is true with board game design and things of this nature. So you're going that Reiner has failed this many times. He did 600 games. He's got 40 that are good. So he's he's failed the rest of these, right? Is that basically what, what we're saying? Okay. Okay. Is that what you're saying? He's got uh, that's the discussion we were having. Okay, okay. I did not necessarily say that. That was part of the discussion. Is that what we were saying? But is that what you're thinking? Is that that is that your that's your line of reasoning? That would be my line of reasoning. Okay. Yes. So he's if got 40, the rest of his games are okay. in up uh, in the ten, ranked ten thousand or above. Now let me put you this way: Do you think that those other six hundred games that he made? Do you think he made money off them? I have no idea. Honestly, I, said, I think he made money off them. He got paid by somebody mm-hmm. to make those games. You get paid if you're if they're asking you to make a game, you're getting paid. He's doing something. He's making some money. He's not losing money being a designer. Okay. He's not producing it. Somebody's saying we'll pay you to make this. But game. he might not have made money until well into his career. It doesn't matter. But he's making money off of it, right? I don't. I know nothing about board game okay, design. Well, and the money you make off of that. He does it full time as a living. He worked in the banking since when? Since the nineties. So he was a banker. Now, he has a Ph.D. in mathematics. He has a history of banking in the banking industry, and he does board games full-time. Logically, he's making money, right? Or he would be doing something else. Okay. Okay. You know, don't act like, okay, obviously. So, the fact is, is that if he's making... I can say okay if I want to say okay. You know, if he's making this, so he's making money, right? I would assume so. Okay. So, is he successful? Does success equal making money? If you're doing it for a living, wouldn't you say? If you're doing it for a living and you're able to live, 
Yes. So he's successful in that part. So he's doing that. But let's say that he didn't release those games. He made no money off them. He designed them, realized they're not that great, didn't release them, didn't make any money off of them. And he only released the 40 that are quote-unquote notable. Is he successful? Because he's only released 40, and they've all been notable. Is he successful? I suppose so. No. Yes or no? Uh, By your thing. own strength. No, 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 use your own logic. Well, use your no, own logic. But it doesn't apply. It's, that's why I'm saying it is nebulous. That's like saying take this character, take Katie Sack off. Uh-huh. Is she successful? She's had no big hits, but she's been in, had steady work. What is success in that regard? And yeah, she's she. That's why it's, I'm, it's, u- I'm using your own logic. Don't change your logic. See, don't use my own stuff against so, me. I'm, no, I'm just asking you. No, I'm not using it against you. I'm asking you the question along your own logic. If he didn't release anything about those 40 games that are notable, is he successful? Yes. Thank you. So he's successful. So what is, is he successful? Yes or no? Yes. Okay. So what's the difference? One, that he was just produced 40 great games that are notable. The others, he's produced 40 great games that are notable, but he produced 600 others that he made a little so, bit of cash on. So now we're talking about successful versus good. There, uh, what would be this? No, I'm saying what would be the same? Do you not think that he's a good designer? Well, if he can produce something that is good. He made 40 well, good games and then didn't well, release the 600 plus. Mm-hmm. Anyways, because he got picky about them and didn't like them. Out- well, the, here we go. So this is, goes into what we were talking about. Is Michael Bay a good director? Yes. He's successful. Did Michael yeah. Bay. Is he good? Yes, he is good. And here's the thing. I don't like Michael Bay movies. I hate them with a passion. But for what he does, for what he knows, what he's making movies for teenage boys, he said that out loud. He's just making explosions and things. That, he's good. He knows what he puts out. And, and, and if he said this, he's targeting uh, teenage boys, then he's targeting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. what? Now, yeah, he said that. Don't take that out of context. Okay. Yeah, please. But he is targeting a group of people that are coming to watch his movie. Right. And... Is making money and getting a lot of viewership right. off of it. He's he's doing. His but if you were to make a, uh, uh, what's the mountain with the faces on it? Mm-hmm. Mount Rushmore. Mount. If you were to make a Mount Rushmore of directors, he would never be near the top four. Why would you say that? <laughs> because you got you got Steven Spielberg. Well, you got uh, Scorsese. You got all these actors that are, are that are unanimously revered as good. Would you like to know who's in the top four directors who've made the most money? The, well, that's the difference. Michael Bay. No, that's, that's what I'm talking about. Okay. We're talking about success versus good. Okay. Who determines what's good, though? There you go. The people. Well, that's what I'm saying. Exactly. The Transformers movies are highly regarded as garbage, mm-hmm. except for the first one. But they're successful. But they made. But they're in super successful. So, so, so you, that's why this is. I, I this is was a interesting topic mm-hmm. to us. That's the thing. What is it? What so, is it? Jamie Stegmeyer. We don't like any of his games other than Viticulture. Okay. Are they successful? Good Lord, yes. Yeah. Is he good? 
a good designer, I'd say no, but he is successful. So how do you determine good in terms of board games? <laughs> I don't know. I don't well, know. What makes a good board game? I, I, it's, I would, it would, okay, let's, it would be a game by game decision. That's all it can boil no, no, down to to me. No, 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 no. You just, what qualities make a good board game? That's all you got to do. Well, I'll, uh, um, go ahead, Enrique. Enrique often speaks wisely when I cannot. Uh, mechanics mainly. Mechanisms. Right. Mechanisms. Uh, off of a side, side note, art, artwork, because a lot of people can. Just okay. Can you uh, he, I don't. I don't know why he. Anyways, speaking so, okay. But yeah, it's a, a, a artwork. A lot mm-hmm. of it's just it's a presentation. A, of yeah, it. presentation. Thank you. Uh, mechanics, presentation, theme. Uh, that's also a, that's all the same kind of the same thing. I get what you're saying. Uh, pre- yeah, you're right. I don't know what I'm thinking. But. So you so to to his point, you know what you like, what makes a good board game. It's easy to list that and then to look at the games that are out there and go, this obviously to some degree fits this. So this must even subjectively. Well, that's like so you take movies. You say, Oh, they have this check, they have this check, they have this check. That's why lots of people that's why Hollywood makes the same movies over and over. Some hit, some don't. What makes it hit? What makes it don't? That's the tough part. That's the, what makes, uh, why do we like this game by this designer and we don't like this game by the same designer when they're the same thing? What makes Pandemic really good when Pandemic Legacy Season Zero wasn't as good to us? Because there are slight alterations in whatever. I don't know. It's, it's, I don't know. You're, you're right. You don't know. I don't know. But you're getting down. I'm in, digressing. You're getting down into the weeds about something regarding what is successful and what is good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah so yeah, what's yeah. just, what makes a good board game? You know what makes a good board game. Why are you acting like you don't know? Like, you know, what's a good board game. If I ask you what a good board game is, name one. Brass Birmingham. Okay, there you go. You know what makes Brass Birmingham a good game, right? Yes. Okay. So if you piece together what makes something good, and you know this is a good board game, and apparently the vast majority of people agree with that, number one now, isn't it? So you go by critics, you go by the consensus, you go by what is this thing about what makes this good and what is good about it, and then you kind of piece it together and go, this is what makes a good board game, and you just compare it from that. So, Enrique, you say, what what makes it good to you? What makes it good to me? Mm-hmm. Uh, mechanics. A good example. Barrage. We didn't know how to play Barrage mm-hmm. when we first played it. But then we progressively got to learn it a little bit more. We played it wrong the first, second, and third time wrong. And then the fourth time, as soon as we learned the mechanic properly... Times. Like for the fourth time, we loved it, and I, it was greatly theme based. Mm-hmm, so we mm-hmm. just phenomenally okay. loved it. In me asking you that question, I realized something. I said, "What makes Brass Birmingham good to you?" So it's all a lot of it subjective. Oh, anything. Well, I, I know, but that's what—that's why this whole conversation. 
there are objective things about it. You can have a designer that makes horrible games, makes horrible decisions. This game is crap. The, the, the art is bad. The mechanisms are bad. Yada, yada, yada. But in most games, a lot of games, most, lot, whatever, there are games that I'm going to thoroughly enjoy. I liked Wayfarers way more than you. Mm-hmm. Completely subjective. To me, I might consider Shem Phillips good, right? You can consider Shem Phillips bad. So subjectivity. And that's, to me, where a lot of this gets in the gray area. So you're saying nothing can be considered good because it's subjective. No, there, I think there, that, well, as I previously said, there are objective things to consider. Mm-hmm. My God, a lot of it can be subjective, though. Yeah. Art can be subjective. You may hate the art in this game, whereas I think it's really cool. Mm-hmm. Even you may hate the rondelle in this game, where I like the rondelle in this game. Mm-hmm. And couldn't the objective even be... Uh, this is a long discussion that accomplishes nothing, is what I'm coming down to. <laughs> oh, no, because the, the, the objective is, is Reiner Knizia a good designer? I still don't know. <laughs> I, I, I would still I say know. yes. I, I don't know. I don't know. That's like saying, M, okay, and it's, uh, here's where we, I get into my own faulty area, is I keep comparing it to other genres, other areas of content creation. Is M. Night Shyamalan a good director? Mm, that's a good question. He's had a lot of bombs. He had some classic Yeah, he's had an amazing Correct. two or three movies. Correct. <sighs> that's why this is, I, I enjoy this discussion, well, here, because here. I enjoy discussion where ultimately it comes down to the fact I still don't know. Well, here, here's here, no, no. Here's 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 there can be no. Here's what I find fascinating about this discussion, and what I think is something that everyone should greatly consider who creates content or anything that they do in their life. You can look at how somebody has done something, whatever it be board game design or, or their career, or anything in their life, and you can look back and go, these are your hits and these are your misses. find it very interesting that you bring up the misses, like you bring up and focus on how many failures somebody has, and you put that in the pejorative of like, well, they failed this many times and they've only won this many times. Whereas you're looking at those failures as failures, whereas my as, view, as opposed to a progression to the hits, correct. As opposed you. to the progression, for as when I see Reiner doing something and it being a reskin, and you're like, "Well, he just reskinned it." Well, I'm thinking, "Well, no, he 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 dropped the ball, and now he's going. Well, I'm going to do it again. He's improving. I'm going to do it again. I'm going to do it again. I'm going to do it again. And eventually, he hits on a modern art, which is the titular." bidding midweight bidding game and then he does high society which is the titular entry level <laughs> bidding game so he's hit these genres and then you got Amon raw and all these other bidding games like he's got that genre perfected to a degree which no other designer has but yet he's missed a lot and so the point being is that this progression of it being a failure or it not being good, or it not being successful, is this just not the path that he's taking to get to where he needs to be? Rather than it just being a, well, this one didn't do as well. Same thing with M. Night Shyamalan. 
Yes, he's done many movies that were just amazing. He's had just as that many bombs. Who's to say that he's just not finding his way of where he needs to be and he's he's trying out things that are new and he's just missing it? I mean, it's hard to argue when he finds his little niche. He's good there. But yet we want, but here, here's here, here. You want everybody to be jack of all trades, good at everything, right? That was your line of reasoning earlier, is that they can just do one thing. He just does co-ops, right? Matt Leacock just does co-ops, right? He doesn't do Euro, big Euro games, things of that nature. Mm -hmm. He just does co-ops. He's the M. Night Shyamalan in board gaming. He's nailed it. He has his one little thing. He sees pandemic people. That's it. He's got that down. But when he goes outside the box and does anything else, he sucks at it. So you can't have it both ways. You can't hold down the fact that you want everybody to be a jack of all trades, but when they go out and try to do something and suck at it, you can't then go, well, then see, that that counts against them. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, like if you want this to be niche and you have your euro, I mean, Right now, by your metric, Jason Dinger's the greatest board game designer's ever lived. He's two for two for you. Indeed. And so that's, need number three. That's it. Like that's that's you can't use that. I mean, there's there's there's. It's not my metric. This is simply a topic I thought about. No, it's your no your line of reasoning though. It, it's something I thought about. Okay, and I'm just I'm I'm going through the um, we're going through for a it. discussion for the podcast, right? And which is what we're doing. Why are you being so mad? Of course, we're trying to podcast. I'm just saying it's interesting the the route people take, and like I said. I, I find it interesting because we've often gone back and forth about Reiner and and Jamie Stegmaier and who's a good designer and what makes a great designer and, and one hit wonders and and it's it's interesting. I find it extremely interesting. Well, you've made some valid points, and I would I tend to agree with you now that uh, it could. But in the case of M Night Shyamalan, of course, you're talking about two. So he started off with great hits, and it's progressively he got worse. Now he seems to be getting better again. It's mm-hmm. just a process of art artistry. Artistry. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe board gaming is more of an art than a science. I would believe so, yes. Because, I mean, there's science involved as far as puzzles and what makes this hit, what makes that hit, and math. There's obviously math involved. Mm-hmm. That's not art. It's math. The art would be making these things interweave together into a way that's pleasing to people to enjoy. Which would make it hard to be objective about exactly what's good and bad. I mean, you can objectively come to this is a functional board game because it doesn't commit these sins that the industry has said you shouldn't do. But at the same time, there are going to be games that just really speak differently to certain people. And you truly don't understand why. Like, I don't understand why people like Splendor. I don't understand why people like some of these other games mm-hmm. that are super popular. I'll never understand, like... There are just certain ones that just, I don't, I don't get it. Why is this such a great game? Why is this held in such regard? Well, subjectively, it could be that it just simply speaks to somebody else. But uh, I think overall, in terms of what is good, if I had to define it, what makes a good designer is just somebody who contributes to the overall board game industry and community. And I think that anybody can do that. And so in, in that regard, I would I would have to backtrack and digress a little bit and say that possibly Dan Hughes is a good designer. 
because he certainly has contributed. And I'd say certainly Reiner is, and even Jamie Stegmire to a degree. I think even I think you reach a point that even though I might not appreciate your board game as a work of art, I can appreciate your contribution to the field. Milieu. Mm, milieu. All right. Well, I think that's been a discussion. You may have to cut that because I think I said that Dan was a good designer. Oh, you did. <laughs> I think I may have said Jamie was a good designer. You did say Jamie was a good designer. Oh, God. All right. Well, that's been our discussion. My little punk. Reach your own conclusions. So, what do you think? No, Email don't us at re- boardgamesnobs no. at gmail.com. Don't reach your own conclusions. Rate, you agree with us or you don't. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, whatever platform you listen on. Spotify. Join our Facebook group. Join our Discord. we got to overtake Joe Rogan. Links in the show notes. That's going to do it for this episode. I'm Gabby. This is Jerry. This is- Thank you for tolerating this episode of the Board Game Snobs. Stay classy. Stay classy.